All right, Ryan, brought you in here all this way. We flew you into the Zoom conference call, essentially. <laughs> and the question we all have been dying, dying to ask you, do I go out and buy a single family home or do I go and buy a real estate multifamily home and live in it? Wow, that's a, a really great question. Um, unfortunately, one size doesn't fit all, but um, and it depends a lot on on kind of your own personal financial situation. But um, if you decide to go out and try and house hack, if you will, and you try and buy a three unit building, live in one unit, rent out the other two, or buy a two flat, live in one, rent out the other other one, you know that can be a great way to start building your own personal portfolio. Uh, really tiptoe and, and dip your toe into the water of being a real estate investor. So I, I love that. Um, some people though, they want to go the single family home route. Yeah. Cause I mean, and then when you go the single family home route, you got to choose like, am I a house guy or am I a condo guy? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially here in Chicago. I mean, there, we're, we're, we're blessed where there's so many yeah. different opportunities, so many different types of housing. Um, it's really just more of a, I guess, a, a personal preference type of thing, but it's also a lifestyle thing. It's a, it's a financial decision. There's a lot of different variables at play there. Yeah. And, and what you've done is you've created a platform called avail.co, which you can check out at, a, I mean, it's not called avail.co. That's the website <laughs> avail.co. It's called avail. And when you founded it, um, you were looking at specifically the landlords right? That's, that was your, your goal in mind. You wanted to make a do-it-yourself platform to make it easy. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, of course. Um, so in the United States, if you take a step back, there's about 48 million residential rental housing units. And these are everything from single family homes that are rented out up to condos that are rented to big multifamily luxury high rises. So 48 million units in the U.S., the simple way to think about it, split it down the middle. Half of those units, 24 million units, are institutionally owned, they're professionally managed. The other half of the units here in the US are actually owned and self-managed by guys like us. Guys who are busy full-time professionals, they're small business owners, they're doctors, they're bankers, they're firefighters, and they happen to own a couple rental units on the side, either to build passive income or to save for retirement. And these guys and gals like us who own these rental properties, historically they've managed their properties with spreadsheets, pen and paper, paper checks, text messages, phone calls, um, pieces of snail mail, faxes, et cetera. And what we ultimately found is that they were looking for tools that would help make their lives easier. I know that about eight years ago, I was in this camp where I owned a couple single family homes that I had rented out. I had a full-time job working on LaSalle Street, wearing a suit to work every day. Oh, yeah. And eventually I was like, why has no one built tools to help people like me manage properties? And so when I started Googling for this, you know, I couldn't find anything. I found that those institutional owners, the professional managers, they had software for them. Everyone had ignored the little guy. And so that's where I really said, look, something like this can and should exist. Mm -hmm. And ultimately ended up leaving a full-time job, built the product, uh, launched it. And fast forward to today, we've got about 600,000 landlords and renters across wow. the US 
who use our product um, every day. So it's, it's been, been a fun journey. And so for, for the average uh, you know, user, average, uh, listener that, that doesn't use your product or know much about it yet, is this a free product? Is it a subscription-based? Yeah, great question. So um, like a lot of products out there today, mm-hmm. we have two, two tiers. We've got a free tier. And honestly, that's 95% of all of our landlords are using that free tier. Um, with that free tier, you get a lot of really powerful tools, basic functionality, um, works really well. And then for premium features, we do offer a paid plan. And that paid plan uh, works really well, mm-hmm. um, adds a little bit additional customization that people want. So similar to like a Zoom or a Slack, you can use their free version. You can also um, upgrade and pay for it. Mm-hmm. And the, the advantage, I guess, of using this platform whereas not using it and just kind of going out there and into the world and contacting some real estate agents, uh, what, what is the advantage versus that, like for the renter, for example? Yeah, so if you think about a, a rental property, um, historically, a lot of people decide, you know, they've got two paths they can go down. They can either decide to manage it themselves mm-hmm. and, or they can kind of hand over the keys to a professional, let them go manage it for them. Um, what we find is that most people who own one or two or three rental properties, they end up managing it themselves. They ultimately don't want to pay a professional they or they can't afford to pay the professional 10% of the rent each month. Yeah. So if people are managing it themselves, where, where we come in is saying, look, those spreadsheets, the pen and paper, the paper checks, the lease agreements that you bought at Staples, like those are great, but there's a much better way. And so where Avail really comes in is gives that landlord that professional set of tools that helps okay. them manage their property. And then ultimately it provides a better, more tech enabled experience for the renters who are living in the unit. Um, I know back in the day, this is going back probably 15 years, mm-hmm. I used to live up near Wrigley Field. I was right out of undergrad, lived in this rental house. We rented from a guy who lived a few blocks away. And each night that I would get home right around the first of the month, my, I, you know, roommates at the time, they would leave their checks for their portion of rent on the table. I would write out a check. I would slip the four checks into an envelope. I would walk over to this guy's house over along Ashland and I would slide it under his door. And I just think back to like how archaic that was (laughs) and and how silly and how frustrating. I mean, you're getting home from work at midnight or 1 Mm a.m. and you're just like, why, why, why can't I pay my rent electronically? I can, you know, order a car, order food from my phone, but I'm still paying, paying rent this old fashioned way. Yeah. So how have you done in convincing older folk, especially like my parents, uh, immigrant parents on top of it all, like, you know, they are there, count their dollar bills, pick up their checks every month sort of people. And they've been, they will never, I don't, I don't know. I don't, do you have a method? Have you converted them over? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, like with any technology, you've got yeah. early adopters, mm-hmm. you've got, and then you've got this um, chasm where you've got early adopters and then you've got everyone else. And I think we've done a great job attracting all of the early adopters. 
I mean, when I look at our landlords, our renters, mm -hmm. I mean, these are your, your stereotypical early adopters. They're like your launch engineer at SpaceX. They're, they're like executives of, of technology companies. They're, they're yeah. adopting it. Where I think we're still honestly, like not struggling, but we're, we're still trying to figure out is what's that right messaging? How do we get folks like your parents um, to adopt technology? And I think it's something that um, I know my parents, for example, like two years ago when they took Uber for the first time, they're like, what's oh, this Uber thing? And <laughs> why are we getting in a, a stranger's That's car? Amazing. But now they use it all the time and they love it. So mm -hmm. I think with time, it'll happen. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I just taught my dad how to like open a picture on the phone <laughs> via text message because he can never open it like at a store I'm trying to tell him what to get so you know maybe I, I hope so right I mean that that could be like a whole nother influx right like once you get there um but every every generation I guess is a little different I'm assuming you work definitely a lot more with uh with our age group I would say right a little bit more yeah I mean so in the U.S. there's about eight million individual landlords guys like us who are busy professionals and they own rental properties okay and so of those 8 million, you can draw a curve and say, how many are, are younger? How many are older? I think we, if I look across our user base, yeah, we probably do skew a little bit younger, but um, I mean, we've got, I mean, everyone across the board, our, our demographics span pretty wide mm -hmm. um, along with the types of properties that are being managed. So Using Avail today, it's everything from small single-family home in rural America, which is great, all the way up to these expensive brownstones in Brooklyn, all the way up to a mansion out in California in Malibu that a professional athlete pays their rent through Avail each month. And it's like, and everything in between. It's, it's yeah. the coolest thing um, when, when you pull up our map internally and like zoom in and you're, you can click around on that these different awesome. dots and see what's, what's using avail. And I'm sure nowadays, like more than ever, especially going, you know, as we're recording this episode, we're in a thick of things with COVID and the pandemic. Uh, what are you doing uh, in terms of, you know, your users? Cause I'm sure right away you must've been blown up, right? Early March, must a crazy time probably for you. Yeah. The past eight weeks have been really interesting. Um, in a, in a really unfortunate way yeah. where um, unfortunately unemployment is at record levels. Um, people are losing their jobs. And unfortunately, a lot of those people who are losing their jobs are renters. And as a result, they're unable to pay their rent. Mm -hmm. And so I think over the past eight weeks, the, the role that we've seen us playing in this is twofold. So number one, how do we just aggregate data? How do we use all of the information going through our system? Again, because we're, we're actually on the ground processing the, these rent payments from renter over to landlord. So how do we get all that data and give it out to people um, who, who would find it useful? So um, for example, even this morning, um, I was on the phone with an alderman here in Chicago talking about, you know, what are we seeing? And where I think we're unique is that we're capturing the everyday landlord and renter. We're not capturing the luxury high rise in River North type of, of rental property. These are all, all, I mean, they're everyday people who are both landlords and renters. 
So number one, it's all about data. Number two, we've been really active in trying to create content and resources around just educating and informing people about what they can do, what their rights are, what they should be thinking about. And I think our overall tone through all of that is, you know, we're all just people. We're all everyday people. We all should work together and find win-win solutions. And I think overall, the response to that has been really positive, where I think historically everyone viewed the landlord-tenant relationship as very combative or contentious, if you will. Yeah. What Always. we're finding <laughs> is that right now it's like, it's much more collaborative. And I hope that's something that we take out of this and, and that lasts um, not only now, but post-COVID as well. And for those listening, because there definitely are numerous people uh, that are listening that are either renting or, you know, being the ones that are providing uh, the landlords, what, where would you send them right now? Did they, you, have, you said you have plenty of content online, right? You had to. I mean, I'm, I, I know you did. Um, yeah, our team has been amazing at, at creating mm-hmm. a lot of content. We've got a, a specific dedicated page up at avail.co slash COVID-19. Okay. So just all one word, there's no dash, no space, just co- avail.co slash COVID-19. Um, we've got a lot of great, I mean, educational content. We've got resources. We've got template letters. So landlords can you download our template letter. Mm-hmm. Then basically they can send to their renter that says, oh, wow. hey, I understand that you're probably going through tough times. Mm-hmm. I'm here to help. Um, let's reach out and let's find a win-win solution. So those are all, t- all examples of things that we've got up there. People can download them for free, use them, uh, take advantage of them. Do you think, uh, so that's at avail.co, that's .co forward slash COVID-19, right? Correct. Yep. And then we could also obviously uh, at hello avail, we could get to your website that way, right? On all social media platforms. Yeah, all the social media platforms, it's, it's exactly, it's hello avail. Avail. Okay, perfect. And uh, now what, what would you, uh, what would be your advice right now? Like for, for the person listening that, you know, just doesn't want to go on the website and they're like, what do I do? What are you kind of telling people right now as the best approach to, you know, delaying rents? Um, or like, do you forgive it completely? Do you delay it and work out a payment plan right away? Do you tack it on at the end of their lease? What's your uh, preferred method or advice? Yeah, well, I think number one, first and foremost, communicate. Like forget getting to the solution for a second, just put that on hold. I think step number one, landlords and renters in the audience, just talk with you know, your landlord or your renter, um, understand what they're going through, what their situation is. I think on the renter side, a lot of renters just need to acknowledge and understand that, hey, the landlord still has to make a mortgage payment. And on the landlord side, being really empathetic and understanding that, you know, your renter may be your bartender. They may mm-hmm. be your stylist. They may be, I mean, they're, unfortunately, they're not making an income right now. And so it's really being empathetic, trying to understand what the situation is. Then number two, I think it's really about how do landlords and tenants work together and really try and find that solution that works for both. So you mentioned a couple of different options, whether it's yeah. you know, reducing rent. Um, I know here in Chicago and in many major cities across the US, um, there's a moratorium on evictions. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that provides some amount of stability for the renter. And that um, means exactly, for everyone listening? 
Yeah, what that means is that basically landlords physically cannot evict you. They yeah. cannot kick you out. Um, I, I know in Chicago, it goes through, I believe, through Labor Day. Um, oh, wow. Not, is that, they pushed it that far now? I believe so. Okay. Um, but I think, um, I mean, ignore, like setting that aside for a second, it's really all about just communicate. How do you find a win-win solution? Mm-hmm. Um, what you ultimately want to do is find something that works for both parties, um, whether that's delaying rent, deferring rent, um, maybe working out a payment plan, maybe um, on the renter side, um, you know, if you've got certain skills or you could go out and um, make improvements to the property, if you're handy and you can do that, maybe there's opportunities oh. to work together and say, mm-hmm. hey, this summer I'll take care of all the you know, lawn work around the property. Um, would you be willing to knock off some amount for, for rent? Um, and so I think there's, there's a lot of creative solutions that we're hearing about. I know that in conversations with different policymakers, both here in Chicago and across the country, there's a big push for creating more of a standardized solution for the problem. But I think until that exists, it's really incumbent on all of us to try and work together and figure it out. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like based on what's happening right now, the tenant still has to pay back the money at some point in time, right? They're not just totally relieved of it, yeah, correct? Yeah, that's right. I mean, okay. um, we're at least as of today, as of um, May 14th, we're, yeah. we're not forgiving rent, <laughs> but it's, so the renter still has that obligation, just like a landlord still has to make the mortgage payment. Exactly. But it's one of those that how do we find solutions? Um, I think it's also important. We don't want, and our stance on this is we want to help renters. We also don't want to put them in a situation where they've got this huge debt burden that just hangs over them for, I mean, the next six months, six years. We ultimately renters need to be able to kind of pay it back, hopefully in a a reasonable amount of time um, on a payment plan that works for everyone. And then they're able to just continue building credit and move on and move up in the world. That's our, our dream scenario is um, let's all work together through this situation. Have you had any cases where there's, for example, anything questionable going on at properties or any illegal activities or something, you know, and they're like, but you can't kick anybody out. <laughs> so it's like a fine line, right? Yeah. I mean, I look, I'm sure those things are happening out there. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully not within the avail community because here at avail, what we really try and foster is this community of responsible landlords and trustworthy tenants. Yes. Um, I know in the media, there are some stories out there about, you know, some bad things happening. I would like to think that those aren't happening uh, with Avail Properties, but um, given that we're just a software provider, I'm, I can't say for, for certain. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I was just meaning like if there's any requests coming in or landlords trying to ask for advice um, from you guys. Yeah, Definitely- we, we get those from time to time. I mean, yeah. that's one of, the, one of the perks about our product is we're not just software, we're we do actually have a team of humans here in Chicago who are available to answer questions, to try and direct you to appropriate resources and stuff. I think that's very important too, right? Because you're not dealing with random 1-800 numbers that go to who know where 
and then you're stuck on hold and you got to put requests in and then you end up only getting text messages back because right uh, from like an outside person has no idea what's going on about you actually have a team here like i've seen it i've seen pictures i i know you exist you're in chicago i'm in chicago uh, i think that's very important yeah our our team i can i can like point over my shoulder like that Outside of COVID, that's where they normally sit and they're answering questions and they're on the phone all day with landlords and renters from across the country. Um, but even with COVID, you know, our team is available um, seven days a week, nine to five central. Um, they're here to answer your questions. Have you had to make any difficult decisions right now and lay anyone off? You know, fortunately, and I, I feel almost guilty saying this, we have not. Um, I know that there's a lot of small businesses, a lot of startups out there um, who have been impacted. Their sales have gone down. They have need, they've had to make some of those um, unfortunate uh, decisions. We've been very lucky. Um, I think the rental market is continuing to grow. People now more than ever are looking for technology to help um, maybe automate uh, this thing, yeah. make contactless rent payments, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and so fortunately, we've actually continued growing during this time. Uh, we're actually currently looking to grow and expand our team. Um, so it's actually the opposite of, of kind of having to make cuts. Well, if anyone's looking out there, yeah, <laughs> Ryan's the guy. <laughs> Ryan Kuhn, Ryan head, head over to avail.co slash jobs. And uh, there's, mm -hmm. I think, six or eight openings up there right now. Uh, awesome. would love to talk with uh, any of the listeners. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Avail.co forward slash jobs. That'd be a, that, that, talk about a story, right? Following up one day and being like, hey, this person, he, she, they came from this podcast. Like, that is awesome. That'd be cool. So someone out there, please, if you're listening, make it happen. Let's go. Apply, please. <laughs> um. What would you tell though to to some of those people that did get laid off? Because I mean, there's uh, I have a lot of friends, you know. I mean, w w when you put in like the real numbers of the past layoffs, and it's like you're talking twenty three, twenty four percent. Like when you add in uh, the the actual numbers of past, and I mean, it's crazy if you really look at it. It's like almost one out of every four people is at this this moment not working as of May fourteenth. Um, what would you tell them? Do you have any advice to those people? Yeah, I think my, my number one piece of advice uh, for these people would be, you know, don't take it personally. Like this is, it's an external problem. And I think unfortunately a lot of people um, for like internalize this thing and, and start blaming themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that can cause you to go to some like really dark places if you start blaming yourself for the situation that you're in. Um, so that's number one. I think number two, stay positive. Um, try and look at this as an opportunity to maybe learn something and grow your skill set. Um, there's a lot of online courses out there from top universities that are now free for the time being. So really try and look at building your own personal skill set. Look at things that you're particularly interested in. Try and keep improving yourself. And then number three, I think it's all about, you know, be out, be, be out there, be talking with people, be um, networking and put yourself in a position where you never know what the future holds and you never know what that next opportunity is. So it's really all about being out there, trying to offer help, um, 
and, and keeping your ear, eyes and ears open for when that opportunity arises. Right. And I mean, and it will arise. It's, it's just the natural, natural market and natural world that we live in. Obviously, we've never seen this before, but, you know, based on history, things, things always have rebounded. Yeah, yeah. Things, things will get better. Um, I don't know if it's going to be six weeks from now, six months from now, but, um, you know, hopefully, and I'm crossing my fingers now, but um, things return to normal sooner rather than later. Prediction time. Oh, no. <laughs> what and when do you think we actually go back to normal? And when do we, uh, when in Chicago specifically, when does our shelter actually release? Wow. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look into the crystal ball. I, it's never really been, been very good at predicting things before, but Here we go. Um, my, my hunch, I think it will be a, almost region by region, neighborhood by neighborhood, block by block, where I think this is a national and, and frankly, a global crisis, but the recovery of it will be more local. And I think we'll see certain pockets I even saw this morning in the Tribune where, you know, all the collar counties, all the suburbs of Chicago are, are basically putting their hands up and they're saying, we're not Chicago. Mm-hmm. So don't blame us and don't treat us like Chicago. But I think in terms of lifting the shelter in place, I'm, I'm optimistic it'll be later this summer. Um, I think that there's, there's too much at stake. I think at, at some point we're as a, as a city, we've yeah. got to be resilient. Um, I think hopefully more people are respecting the social distancing. People are wearing masks. People are being respectful and doing the right thing. I think as soon as all of those things take hold, um, we'll get back there. And these are obviously dark times you know, for, for you, for everyone. Have you had another dark time in your life in the past that whether business or personal that just kind of carved you into who you are and, you know, um, that, that was just very difficult to go through, especially with entrepreneurism, I would say, because it's not an easy place to be. It's a very, very lonely place at times. Not too many people you can relate to. Is there uh, something else that was just as bad? You know, I can actually point to two things. So number one, um, I finished uh, my undergraduate degree back in 2007. I moved up to Chicago. That was right before the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. And so I took a job at a large bank working on LaSalle Street in the summer of 2007. Stock market was still at all-time highs. This is before Lehman Brothers, before Bear Stearns. Um, but I'm, I'm like first year out of school when those things happen. You're flying high, right? I, I, I was is... feeling good. And then all of a sudden, bam. And the crisis hits and other people who I had started working with at the bank in my start class, who I sat next to during those early trainings, they were getting laid off. Mm-hmm. And we, we didn't know. I mean, no one knew back then what the future held. And so there was a certain amount of holding your breath and hoping, I hope it's not me. And those were, those were dark. Those were hard. And I think the amount of uncertainty back then, you know, I was, I was quite a bit younger, but um, it, it felt very different from this, where fortunately in this crisis and in, in this COVID-19 era, we know we, we have an idea of what the enemy is. Mm-hmm. And we know, I mean, there's science behind what the next steps are. 
and there's a proven path to recovery. Back in 08, man, no one had a clue what was going on. And all of the top Wall Street bankers would convene and they would huddle and they would try and come up with different proclamations. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, those were scary, dark times. Yeah, it was. Um, the second, second time I would talk to was, um, you know, a couple years after starting Avail. And probably that second or third year was the hardest where, um, you know, in, in your first year of starting a new venture, you're riding high, you're feeling good, you've got all the juices flowing and you're, you're optimistic. Mm-hmm. And then two years in, you're like, man, this isn't as easy as I thought it was. Um, what, what did I do? Why did I, I waiting for? Why did I leave that full-time job? Why did I leave the comfort, the safety of it? Um, I remember a, a point in time we actually participated in an accelerator program out on the West Coast. Um, so I actually moved out to California. Hmm. My co-founder was here in Chicago and I was living in this like really shitty, small studio apartment and just by myself, away from friends, away from family. And those were some tough times where it was just this, every day was the same. Everything felt, felt um, almost similar eerily to like what it feels like now, where there's not as much human interaction. Um, and yeah, so got through that. Fortunately, moved back to Chicago. Um, and so, yeah, fortunately, things have been, been up since, but I'm sure there's going to be another situation that happens that, that isn't as positive. So why was that situation so bad? Because when you say, oh, I got to move out to sunny California <laughs> and here I am and I was all depressed. Like, why? Uh, why was it as bad? Yeah. I mean, at that time, it was, it was tough. Honestly, uh-huh. just... Um, the toughest part was actually the, the, I would say social distancing as, as weird as it sounds is um, I was in this accelerator cohort with a bunch of other startup founders okay. who could somewhat relate to what, what was going on and with my business and stuff. But, you know, I had left my, my family, my friends, my co-founder, um, my girlfriend at the time, everyone was back in Chicago and I'd get these texts about, you know, going out to watch a, a Cubs game or watch the the Hawks in the playoffs. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, why did I do this? Why am I, I so distanced? And why did I, I opt to go seclude myself in California to build this company? And um, that was really the toughest part about it. Was it worth it? 100%. Um, I think okay. I can, I can pretty confidently and my co-founder is a really good friend and he and I have these conversations, these heart to heart conversations from time to time. And we talk about, you know, would the business exist if not for that program? Um, if not for the focus that that pushed on us. Mm-hmm. And I think we both agree that the business in the form it exists today would not have survived. So I think in, in that way, um, it was call it six months of pain. Yeah. For, um, for, for kind of number, I mean, numerous years of success. Um, and, and fortunately, I mean, there, there's still problems and challenges. I mean, I would be lying if I said otherwise, but, um, fortunately things are, aren't as bad as back then. I guess since that relates to a lot of people now, how did you get through it? Like, what did you tell yourself every day? Did you 
overconsume something? Did you eat way more than normal? <laughs> you know, what did you do? Well, I think, I think it really two things. Number one, I tried to really focus on um, personal improvement and some made a point to work out every day, to go to the gym, to try and read and learn and study and really just focus on improving myself. Um, number two, I tried to always keep in, in perspective that there was light at the end of the tunnel. And I think during this current um, situation with COVID-19, that's something that people have to understand is while it seems really, I mean, tough and dark and like this, this weight will never be lifted, I think, I mean, inevitably it will, and hopefully sooner rather than later, but there will be a vaccine developed. Um, I know that Mayor Lightfoot here in Chicago has talked a lot about comparing this to rebuilding after the Great Fire. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, there's some truth to that, where we just have to really, I mean, day in and day out, step by step, I figure out a solution and get there as, as quick as we can. Awesome. Nicely put. Nicely put. And with that, we will end off the first part of the show. Ryan at avail.co as well as at hello avail on all social media platforms. Be sure to check him out. Ryan Kuhn, uh, co-founder of avail, but here we are moving on to the second part and segment of our show where Miro is officially done for this podcast. So I am out. It's good talking to you. Peace. Great talking to you. Welcome to the round with no name because they're all taken. But it's okay because Miko, his evil twin, is here to save you <laughs> from all, all of humanity. So here we go. Without further ado, you get 10 seconds to initiate an answer. We just want to know a little bit more about the real Ryan Kuhn. Are you ready? Let's do it. And don't ask why you only get 10 seconds. You don't want to know. So that's it. Just keep it at 10 seconds. All right, Miko, let's go. Which one? Netflix or Amazon Prime? Netflix. Ooh. iPhone or Android? iPhone. What's your favorite book? Uh, Delivering Happiness. What are you currently reading? Uh, current, oh. Um, pass. I'm, I'm not as good at... Too busy not reading, with work not right reading now. anything yeah, anymore. Yeah, too huh? busy. Too I mean, busy. Embarrassed, wow. embarrassed to admit that. Stranded on an island. And just in case you are, we're preparing you now. You can't bring a person, but you could bring one thing. What is it? Uh, probably a computer or iPad. With a solar powered battery. Of course. Right? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Satellite how you, connection. How do you drink your coffee? Iced. Iced. Nice. Do you put anything else into it or straight black? Straight black. Straight black. There was actually a, a study in, uh, by the Huff Post that anyone that drinks straight black coffee, they show some psychotic tendencies. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I do too, though, so you're in the clear. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if I handed you $100 right now and you had to come back to me tomorrow with 200 how would you do it? I would bet on black. Ha. <laughs> And then go back to the bank account after. You got it. <laughs> well, and good luck finding a casino that's open now to take that action. That too. If we gave you an unlimited amount of money and you can start up any business you wanted, anything, can't be your own, what would it be? 
I would have to be something in travel or hospitality. Um, I know that today it feels it feels weird to think about traveling, but I think traveling is a great way to bring people together, expose people mm -hmm. to different communities and cultures. Awesome. Do you have anything more specific, like anything you actually would want to do with the travel? Work? Crazy ideas. No, no. I mean, it's more of one of those broad topics. Um, okay. And if not travel, you know, restaurants. I would, I would maybe start a pizza restaurant. Everyone yes. loves pizza. They do. I feel like that's just recession proof <laughs> forever. <laughs> Who has been or is your greatest mentor? Um, on this one, don't, don't have one mentor. I've got a lot of people I looked up, look up to and, and read stuff from and a lot of different podcasts I listen to. Is there a podcast you're listening to right now? Uh, podcast I'm listening to besides right Bossed to Boss, of course, of, of course, Boss to Boss. Um, so actually, one of the guys on our team, he runs a he he has his own real estate tech podcast oh. uh, called Technust. So I'm currently binge listening to those. Awesome. Well, you survived, Miko. Miko is actually going to take off. He's he's done here, but that's good. That's good for you. Take care. Till next time. See you, Miko. Miro is back. All right. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> he was something else, huh? But you survived. I survived. He let me back on the show. Uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on today, Ryan Kuhn uh, of Avail.co. Be sure to check him out. Uh, the mic is yours. If you have any final thoughts, but I do appreciate you taking the time, and I really look forward to seeing what the future brings. If there's any yeah, really, pre really appreciate you having me, Miro. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Um, I think for everyone out there going through tough times with COVID, just keep in mind, light at the end of the tunnel, it's out there. It is. It is. Mic drop. Boom. Take care. That is all for this episode of Bossed to Boss. Your next step is to visit bossedtoboss.com, where you will find proven techniques followed by professionals to help you make that next step. Again, that is bossed, the number two, boss.com. And remember, the time is now. <laughs>